footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cave. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening, and welcome to your nightmares. And another episode of your favorite horror storytelling podcast, Dark Softly Tales. This is your host, Mav. And tonight, we dive into the conclusion of Buried Deep Down by E.M. Fitch. I mentioned last week that I really enjoyed Aaron's circus sideshow approach to mermaids in this story. In Lore of the Mermaid, which was episode 26, we understand that there is this fascination, yet fear, of the mermaid archetype from a masculine point of view. And from the mermaid or feminine point of view, there is a desire to venture into this place of order and yet not be tied or chained to it. In Aaron's tale, we find that there is this fascination with the mythical creature. The ringmaster is offering gold for it even. Tommy takes his chances of being eaten by a shark and dives deep into the water, finds the creature, and brings her up to the dock. But it's his friend who points out that the mermaid looks like a statue that might make a nice present for Tommy's mother. What I found interesting about this is the mermaid's ability to freeze, blend in, and give the appearance of not being alive, thereby tricking the human children. Only Tommy isn't fooled. He instinctively knows she is real. He decides to bring her to the ringmaster just as much for validation of how precious she is, as well as the promise of gold. We'll discuss the second half next week, because obviously... I don't want to spoil the rest of the tale. Stay tuned to the end where you'll discover where to find Erin, join her newsletter, and pick up a few of her books. Dim the lights, snuggle up in your covers, and listen as we dive deeply beneath the fast-moving water where things are not as they seem. Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark, softly. Tommy's whole family had gone to the circus that night. The ringmaster had perched on a platform near the main tent. Behind him, the center ring could just be glimpsed through the flaps of red and white striped canvas. Heavy ropes were secured to the earth by giant iron spikes. Everything glittered and glowed until you got too close. Then you noticed that the benches were sticky with cotton candy residue and the ground smelt of wet hay and animal droppings. Listening to the ringmaster, his treasure wrapped lovingly in his backpack, Tommy could forget the rest. 
he walked under the raised podium just as the ringmaster was finishing his thundering poem. Treasures mean nothing buried deep down. Treasures mean something when you share them around. So dig up your treasures, your freaks and your finds. Bring them to me and I'll make them mine. The ringmaster's gaze swept the excited crowd before lingering on Tommy. Tommy looked up, caught his eye and held it, nodding solemnly. The ringmaster had winked, flashed his golden coin and disappeared off the podium. Back and to the left, Tommy saw the smaller and significantly more battered tent. Strong above the entrance was the simple hand-painted sign that read, Sideshow. Tommy kicked off his bed sheets and sat up, towing his way into his slippers. He remembered with an embarrassed pang how thrilling it had been to break off from his family and run to the sideshow. He glowed with pride, so feverish with excitement he had barely been able to breathe. No one had known what he was carrying, and after he had finally seen the exhibits, he had been determined to keep it that way. The ringmaster had other ideas. You've uh, brought me treasure, haven't you, son? He had asked, all snake oil charm. Tommy shook his head, no, but his bag was already off his shoulders and unzipped. The ringmaster peeked inside, and just as Tommy had known he would, his features slackened in surprise. Uh, where did you find this? The words were soft yet trepidatious. There was a thread of fear that laced through the ringmaster's tone. It angered Tommy, and he jerked his bag back, zipped it up, and threw it over his shoulder. He ran from the tent, found his family, and sullenly pretended to enjoy the show, biding his time until he could truly escape the ludicrous spectacle. Now what? Tommy whispers the words softly in the darkness of his bedroom. It was wrong to let the ringmaster pollute his treasure, so Tommy was glad he had run with it. What was he supposed to do with it now, though? Bring her back. Bring her back. He wasn't sure where the thought had come from. Why it held so firmly in his mind. The ringmaster's thumping oaths were being replaced, though. Something subtle and soft was now singing through his brain. Bring, Bring her, her back. back. Bring her back. Bring her back. Bring her back. Tommy stood, shuffling around his bed in the dark. He opened the trunk and reached inside. His mother's silken shawl was soft upon his fingertips. The creature it encased warmed his touch. Maybe he should bring her back. Maybe the world didn't deserve to know. He pulled his fingers back and shut the lid of the trunk. It clicked softly. All around him, Tommy became aware of the sounds of nighttime. His sister rolled over in her bed. He could hear the rustle of her bedspread from across the hall. His father snored, a gentle, audible vibration. 
The house was peaceful and warm, and yet... Bring her, bring her back. back. Bring her back. Tommy suddenly longed for the rush of whispers in the woods by the dock, the gentle ministrations of the weeds and the wind, the soft murmur of the river. His body pulsed with the need to be there again. He changed his slippers for boots, grabbed his jacket from the hook by his door, and approached the trunk again. A soothing feeling washed over him as he pulled the wrapped-up creature into his arms, a knowing that he was right, that the world didn't deserve her. Tommy yanked his bedroom window open, wincing as it creaked, and clambered over the side. It was a short drop, only a few feet, to his mother's rose garden. Tommy moved in the direction of the swimming hole as though he was in a trance. The grass whisked along the hem of his pajama bottoms, wetting the fabric until he could feel the cold sweep on his shins. The neighbors' houses were dark, all lights extinguished except some random porch lights. Bugs swarmed the orange glows, darting in and around a source of light. There was no moon, only a blanket of dark cloud. Tommy saw the world in black and white and the occasional starbursts of color. Tree frogs croaked a symphony, singing back and forth through the night air. His boots scraped along the curb and then patted a gentle rhythm on the pavement. The air was fresh and real. The aromas of popcorn and cow dung felt artificial compared to the lilt of brine that drifted through the air. The river called for him. Wait! The ringmaster had called to his retreating back, startling the other patrons of the sideshow. The crowd parted a bit, looking between the odd man in the tall hat and the nondescript boy. Kid, wait just a minute. Tommy had not waited. He hadn't even turned his back. Bring her back. The words were soft, like a suggestion his soul was making, a nudging from his core that drove him now toward that dark water. There were no porch lights once Tommy left the street and crossed into the field that would bring him to the swimming hole. Everything was shadowed and dark. An owl hooted somewhere from the belly of the forest, welcoming Tommy back. The weight of the mermaid in his arms felt like a warm beacon, a living, pulsing thing that comforted as much as it pulled. In the distance... The dock was a pale splash against the swaying black trees beyond the river. The ringmaster had looked for him after the show. Tommy had seen his greedy eyes scanning the crowd, and he pulled his bag to his chest, skulking between his parents as they exited the circus grounds. His baby sister had already fallen asleep on his mother's shoulder. The boards trembled as Tommy stepped on the dock. The whisper of the forest hissed all around him as the river purred its welcome. His breathing hitched when he heard the voice. Soft and lyrical, it sang. Bring her back. Bring her back. Bring her back. 
the water rippled below him. Though Tommy couldn't see what caused it, he felt no fear, only a dull ache in his chest to return to the river what he had stolen. Bring her back, Tommy echoed dully. His arms felt like jelly. His grip on the stiff little body slackened. The mermaid fell from his grasp, tumbled out of the folds of colorful silk, and landed with a crack on the wooden dock. All around him, the sound of splintering wood, like an axe splitting logs, pierced the whispery air. Tommy's frame jolted, and then seized when the boards beneath his feet began to sway, first toward the river, then back, then forcefully forward, as though a dozen strong hands were pulling the dock from its foundation. The mermaid rolled and pitched with the motion, finally coming too near the edge and dropping out of sight. A splash followed, and then the sharp cracking of the dock posts. Cold water rushed up Tommy's nose as he plunged headfirst into the river. All around him, splintered beams and broken bits of lumber pierced the water like tiny spears. Whole sections of docks emerged in the dark water and then bobbed up, careening in the current towards the ocean. Tommy's head broke the surface, and he dragged a gasping breath through numb lips. Something bit his calf. He yelped, thrashing in the water. The shore wasn't far, but an entire river of sweeping currents, shards of broken boards, then huge floating posts rushed between him and it. A flurry of bites spread up his leg, and he felt a tug. His chin dipped below the water. He had enough air in his lungs left to scream. He called out to no one in a strangled holler, and then the water rushed past his lips as he was dragged under the surface of the churning river. Blue eyes. It was a stupid thought, but he couldn't help it. In the flurry of tiny hands and razor-sharp teeth that came at him, attacked him, drugged him further under the surface in an explosion of tiny bubbles, he couldn't help noticing they do have blue eyes. Mermaids surrounded him. These weren't bits of driftwood carved to perfection. These were living, swimming mermaids. Dozens swirled around him, clawing and scraping. Dark flashes of deep green scales and algae hair clouded his fuzzy underwater vision. Tiny sets of teeth sunk into the fleshy parts of his legs. An amazement turned to abject horror as his last breath burned in his lungs. Tommy kicked and thrashed. His arms swept through the water, bubbles strung in their path. He strained his neck for the surface, but it felt miles away. The water around him grew darker. Swirls of black rose from his legs, and with dizzying terror, Tommy realized the swirls were his own blood. They were eating him, devouring him in tiny little bites. Just like the Masterson kid. His last breath left in a scream no one would hear. There would be nothing but a rush of bubbles breaking the surface, and then perhaps his lifeless body, what was left of it, drifting to sea. 
he struggled his last. Grabbing at the small, fishy bodies, pushing them aside, batting at their claws and teeth, nothing helped. The surface grew more and more distant. The water grew dark, darker, and any sound that had penetrated his water-filled ears dimmed. Fingers dug into his neck and shoulder, rough fingers, larger and stronger than the claws that raked at his belly. Tommy felt the pull, the rough drag upwards, and his mouth broke the surface. He drew a shuddering breath, half air and half water. He coughed and retched and flailed, but the hands that grabbed at his neck never relented. Tommy landed face first in the mud of the river bank. Tall grass and bulrush roots scratched his cheek. He coughed as he drew himself up on all fours, and before he could draw another breath, he vomited river water into the weeds. Shadows moved beneath the water, darting about like fish. Thought they had you there, a deep voice said. Timmy spit and dragged the back of his hand over his trembling mouth. It's a good thing you screamed. Uh, I might not have found you in time. His tall hat had fallen off when he ran into the river, and the ringmaster bent low to retrieve it. He popped it on top of his head, pulling the brim low on his forehead. He grinned down at Tommy and offered his hand. You... We're looking for me? Tommy asked, his voice a raspy bark. You? No, the ringmaster said, though not unkindly. I was looking for them. I knew they must be close by, and I knew they would call for you tonight. They didn't, Tommy started. Unsure why he'd defend the mermaids, the ringmaster cut him off with a wry shake of his head. They always do, he said softly, and especially if you have one of their own. You knew what it was? Tommy asked, pushing himself to a stand. You knew when I showed you? The ringmaster frowned looking from the ruins of the dock to the field that stretched towards civilization. Out of the pocket of his jacket, the hem wet with river water, he pulled his golden coin. It shone dully as he began flicking it from finger to finger. He nodded toward the distant street, and a warm ham clasped Tommy by the base of his neck, steering him from the riverbed. Mud clung to his boots as Tommy struggled out of the riverbed. He looked over his shoulder. Agitated ripples erupted along the surface of the churning water. It's uh, best you get home now, kid, the ringmaster said, patting Tommy lightly on the shoulder. Tommy's mouth opened to argue, but a small whisper rushed from the water to his ears. Come back, Tommy. Come back, Tommy, come back. Every muscle in his body froze. I hear them too, the ringmaster offered in a whisper. 
have you seen them before? How did you know it was real? Tommy asked, breathlessly. He stood at the outskirt of the field, shivering in the breeze that licked over his wet clothing. Just in front of them, a dark bag and one large net lay as though they had been thrown there. Tommy watched as the ringmaster strode over to them, shouldering the bag. I've seen them before, but only once, the ringmaster said, his tone conversational. He picked up the net in the hand that wasn't habitually spinning the golden coin. What are you going to do? Tommy asked. Oh, just some midnight fishing, he replied with a wink. Next time I come through this town, boy, you come and see me. I'll have an old friend there floating in a private aquarium. I'm sure she'll be hungry to see you. You just tell the ticket master the magic words, and he'll let you in as a guest of honor. The ringmaster pointed toward the street. Orange porch lights beckoned Tommy home, and then he took off in a stealthy march toward the river bend. His dark clothing blended with the swing forced in front of him so that he was no more visible than the outline of his giant silver net looking as though it were catching cloudy stars. Wait! Tommy called out to his retreating back. The ringmaster paused, turned. Uh, what are the magic words? (laughs) Tommy's mermaid, of course. The ringmaster replied, flashing a toothy grin. He tossed something to Tommy. It spun through the air before landing in his outstretched hands. The weight of that gold-painted coin felt both cool and heavy in his palm. When he looked up, the ringmaster was gone. Tommy scanned the Sunday paper for weeks, and it took that long before any mention of the ringmaster made the news. The headline read, Newest fraud. Come and see the monkey fish. Underneath the bold letters was a picture of what appeared to be a mummified creature. In the grainy black and white photo of the front page, it was impossible to discern the delicate shading of colors that were so intrinsic to the tiny body. The hair appeared to be shaded darker, flat as it was against the petrified little skull. But Tommy couldn't tell if it was still that pretty green algae color. No one believed it. They named the discovery Monkey Fish, deciding it was those bits of animal that the ringmaster must have sewn together to create this monstrosity. Tommy found he didn't mind all that much. The world wasn't ready for her. The next time the circus was in town... Tommy would go. He'd walk right up to the man in the ticket booth and whisper, Tommy's mermaid. He and the ringmaster would stand side by side, staring at that poor dead creature. And then, somehow, Tommy thought, they'd smile. They'd smile because they knew all along 
How did you get those bite marks? The newspaper man had asked the ringmaster. Oh, these? He had said, his response right there in black and white on Tommy's kitchen table. Oh, I thought I mentioned it. I got into a fight with a mermaid. Tommy couldn't help but laugh. I hope you enjoyed the ending of this lovely dark tale by E.M. Fitch. We'll discuss the ending next week, so be sure to tune in. Now, a little about the author and where to find her. E.M. Fitch is the author who loves scary tales, chocolate, and tall trees. She is the author of the young adult zombie trilogy, The Break Free series, which explores the hope and beauty that can be found amid chaos, darkness, and hordes of chomping infected. Her Stolen Girl series, which includes the titles Of the Trees, At Wood's Edge, and Beyond the Wildwood, is a young adult horror fantasy inspired by haunting cemeteries and the darker musings of W.B. Yeats. Her story, Between Shadows, was featured in the Fragments of Darkness anthology and her collection of short stories entitled The Veil, Ghost, Goblins, and Ghouls is available now. She has been published in Pulp Metal Magazine, Under the Bed Magazine, and her short stories, Release and The Creep, were featured respectively in CHBB's Lurking in the Shadows and Lurking in the Mind anthologies. When not dreaming up new ways to torture characters, she is usually corralling her four children or thinking of ways to tire them out so she can get an hour of peace at night. Head on over to www.emfitch, which is spelled E-M-F-I-T-C-H, dot com to sign up for her newsletter and learn more about her books. You can also head over to Amazon and type her name, E-M-F-I-T-C-H, into the search engine, and all her books will pop up. Remember to give Dark Softly Tales podcast a rating by tapping on the little stars of whatever app you're listening to, or even better, leave a review. This ensures we will be able to keep bringing you stories for the long haul. The sea is deep, and the night falls dark, and now it's time to go. Until next week, shine bright dark hearts. <laughs>